Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dotchis-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Appetite for Change. Appetite for Change is a nonprofit in North Minneapolis that uses food as a tool for health, wealth, and social change. This year, in light of COVID and the unrest in Minneapolis, Appetite for Change has continued to ground themselves in their mission and center their work around community connection and nourishing food. They launched a pilot program called Community Cooks Meal Boxes, which provides fresh produce and pantry items, plus two recipes for over 300 families at no cost to the family. The program has been such a success that it has been extended for another six weeks and will continue into 2021. AFC has utilized the kitchens of their two restaurants, Breaking Bread Cafe and Station 81, to produce over 200,000 meals that have been distributed across the Twin Cities to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need. In addition, they have seven farm plots across North Minneapolis that are tended to by community members and Appetite for Change youth learning how to grow a variety of plants. These fresh fruits and vegetables are distributed throughout the North Side. Even in 2021, Appetite for Change is committed to building a more equitable food system by delivering fresh and nourishing food to healthcare workers, seniors, and families in need, tending urban gardens, and more. We have been collaborating with Appetite for Change over this past year, and we have loved their dedication to their mission, and we so look forward to volunteering with their organization and working with them more in 2021. To learn more about Appetite for Change, listen to episode 31 of our podcast with one of their founders, Michelle Horowitz. For more information or to donate, head on over to appetiteforchangemn.org backslash impact or on Instagram and Facebook at Appetite for Change. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, we want to ask that if you enjoy this podcast, if you would take just two minutes to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Doing so helps us reach more people so others can benefit from the inspiring information that we share. We would also love if you would share this episode with friends or family or anyone that you may think may benefit from it and tag us on social media. And we so appreciate your support. We are thrilled to bring you today's guest, Meg Hirschberg. Meg is a breast cancer survivor and the co-founder of the Anti-Cancer Lifestyle Program, an online lifestyle transformation course for cancer survivors and those interested in disease prevention. For most of her career, she was a freelance writer for magazines, and for six years, she wrote a column for Inc. Magazine about the intersection of family and business. Her award-winning book, For Better or For Work, a survivor a survival guide for entrepreneurs and their families, was cited by Entrepreneur Magazine as one of the year's best business books of 2012. 
After three cancer diagnoses and two recoveries within 19 years, Meg Hirschberg is all too familiar with hearing people equate cancer with war. As founder of the Anti-Cancer Lifestyle Program, Meg teaches others to stop thinking of chronic illness as a winning or losing battle, but rather another component in the body's complex ecosystem. The Anti-Cancer Lifestyle Program is a comprehensive, evidence-based curriculum that promotes transformation to improve the body's natural defenses against disease. Through the online course, Meg and experts from top medical facilities touch on simple changes that promote a healthier lifestyle, including reframing how we speak about chronic illness. We had such an inspirational conversation with Meg, and we were both just um, so excited to hear about this program and to be able to share it with other people that are going through cancer right now and or that have um, people in their lives going through cancer. And we love how Meg reframes the idea of cancer. And with that, let's dive right into our conversation with Meg. Welcome, Meg. We're so excited to have you here today. Um, I personally um, am really excited to hear about your anti-cancer lifestyle program and about your background. My mom went through cancer recently, through breast cancer. So I think what I've learned about what you're doing um, has such a personal connection to me and I would have loved to have known about it when she was going through everything because yeah. I think it would have been so helpful to her. So I'm really excited for you to share with our audience everything that you're doing right now. But first of all, I'm wondering if we can start out with you sharing a little bit about your background and your story and how that led you to where you are today. Um, well, let's see. I'm going to try to summarize 64 years in about, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I, well, in terms of what led me, you know, very specifically here today to this, this sort of piece of my life is that um, I was <clears throat> diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in 2001 and underwent what they, what is fondly, not so fondly known actually as the killing cure, surgery, chemo, and radiation. Uh, and uh, was told that I had a you know really good chance of never seeing the cancer again, and then got past that exciting five year mark and then it 's then two years after that, so seven years after my diagnosis, um, I was diagnosed again with a recurrence a metastasis, but this one was a singular metastasis in my bone, so it was clearly metastatic at that point, and that really um, that really jolted me uh, in a way, you think that the original cancer diagnosis would have, and it did, but knowing that it was metastatic and that, oh my God, I really have this thing and it can really kill me, um, really shocked me. And it was at that point that I spoke with my oncologist who I love dearly, um, but he knows nothing about other than the kinds of things that he uses to save lives and all those incredible incredibly powerful treatments available uh, to physicians, he really didn't know anything else about what I could do. And that was my question to him is, what can I do? What's my role here? Is there a part that I can play in um, lowering my odds of disease recurrence and you know, just generally making my body not hospitable to the growth of cancer to the extent that I can 
And he, you know, he replied to me what I, what I have since learned, um, most cancer patients hear when they ask that question of what do I do now? Um, and the answer that everybody seems to get is some version of, um, well, try to keep your stress level down and go back to your life as normal. And I'll see you in six months for your scan. So you walk out the door and it's just like, oh my God, I am helpless. I am a victim. I, this thing could come back tomorrow or five years or 10 years or never. And I have no control. And that's a very toxic feeling for people to have very, that feeling of helplessness. And what a lot of folks do at that point is go online and try to find, you know, various ways that they can help themselves. And a lot of times that takes the form of supplements and a lot of these supplements have not been vetted or proven or, you know, any response is anecdotal. Um, and, and they kind of get down that rabbit hole and it drives physicians, you know, crazy that people do that, but we have to understand that they're not given it any other information to work with. So that was when I actually happened to meet this wonderful man, David Servan Schreiber, who wrote this book. He's a physician, uh, Anti-Cancer and New Way of Life. And David and I became friendly and I read his book and it just completely turned my life around because it was the first uh, evidence-based information that I saw that was you know, really grounded in reality <laughs> about ways that I could um, help myself to reduce my odds of cancer recurrence. And running into David, reading that book and making those lifestyle changes really changed my life. And I reached out to our local hospital about creating a course based on David's book. And that was really the beginning of the anti-cancer lifestyle program. Oh, what a power, what a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. I can only imagine um, just what you went through, but then being able to take something that happened in your life, you know, an unfortunate situation and make, make lemonade out of it to a certain extent and be able to help so many people, I think is just um, really commendable. Um, and so, I think I think so many women feel like you did, where they, you know, finish their treatments with their doctor, and then it's like, now what? Exactly. Now, now what do I do? Now and they're what? lost. Right. I mean, right. I remember that going through that with my mom, like that exact thing. Um, so, and I, and I think, Marty, I don't know. I we're of the age, unfortunately, that a lot of people we know and a lot of friends are getting diagnosed with cancer, in particular breast cancer. I've had three or four just in the last four or five months. Yes. Um, and so I, I love that you're giving them hope and we can dive into that in the program. And that's kind of where we want to take this a little bit, you know, take the conversation right now. Um, yeah. And I just have to say about that, that that word hope is very important because a lot of physicians have an, 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 a sort of intuitive negative reaction to, I mean, a lot of them are really on board and they get the data and they get the importance, but a lot feel like you're, you know, that we're giving, not a lot, I can't quantify, but we certainly have gotten the reaction that, oh, you're giving patients false hope. And, you know, that is the last thing we're doing here. I mean, I think worse than any kind of false hope is false hopelessness. Because mm -hmm. thinking that you are powerless against this disease is false. And, and there are any number of studies, all the studies that we use to make our recommendations are on our website. Any, any 
doc, anybody can see them. Uh, and they're all these like gold-plated studies in you know, some of the best journals in the world, peer-reviewed. And what I have to say though is, is that we're not talking about individual patients, and that's a really important point to make here. That, and, we, and this came up a lot when we were teaching the in-person class before we put it all online, which it is right now, is we would always say, you know, we're not, we don't know about you or you or you. Because cancer is very complicated and everybody's story is different. And most people, we really don't know why you got cancer. In some cases we do, but usually we don't. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know. I mean, you could do everything we recommend, everything to a T in our program and still get cancer or cancer recurrence. And on the other hand, you could smoke every day of your life, three packs a day, drink you know, a pint, of whiskey <laughs> and sit on your couch and watch TV all day and never get cancer, right? So there's no, there's no actual saying, but we, what we can say with certainty now based on the data is you can reduce your odds. It's all about odds reduction. That's what we're talking about. And the other thing I wanna make sure to point out is we're not just talking about breast cancer, even though I'm you know breast cancer survivor and it's certainly uh, well, I think it's actually the number two killer of women. The number one is actually lung cancer. Mm -hmm. um, but we're talking about all cancers. It, you know, I mean, the data we pull from might be specifically for colon or breast or some other cancer, but really the lessons are and the, and the recommendations are, are universal. Yeah. So go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no, I was just going to say, can you can you talk, start talking a little bit more about this anti-cancer lifestyle program that you developed based on you know, the anti-cancer new way of life book and share a little bit more about that and what it entails. I love that you've gone from in-person to online so that you can just reach so many more, so many more well, people that really can exactly. benefit. Exactly. Because people were running into our website all over the world. I mean, I can't, I, I, there's so many countries that we've had inquiries from just, hey, how can I sign up for your course? because they'd run into our website and I always felt so badly like, oh, you know, I'd send them resources and say, sorry, you can't take the course. It's not offered in your country or in your locality. And I always felt so badly. And, and we, we got to a point where we realized, hey, we really have to make this accessible, this, in, this critical information that people really want. And so that, that, was the, that was why we, and we spent actually two years converting the in-person curriculum to an online course. And the course itself is, you know, it's meant to sort of keep you engaged. We have video, we have animation, we have text, we have little quizzes. You know, we try to not make it boring and just have a talking head telling you what to do. Um, but we, we, in the course, we cover four principal areas. Uh, we start with a, a sort of a module on change, barriers to lifestyle changes, um, how to overcome those barriers, what to do if you fall off the wagon, because a lot of people feel like, oh, well, you know, I exercised last week. I didn't do any this week. I may as well just give it up, you know? So, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you handle falling off the wagon is a really important uh, piece because we all do that, right? We all make these commitments and then we don't necessarily fulfill them. So we talk a lot about that. Um, but the four key modules are diet, fitness, mindset, and environment. And by environment, what we're talking about specifically is your, basically your home and body care products, how to reduce your daily exposures 
to known carcinogens, chemicals of concern, and what we call endocrine disrupting chemicals, which are the chemicals that interfere with your hormone uh, system. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, that's our environment module. That's awesome. And is there a community built around that as well? Yes. So we have, um, well, we have many, you know, we have about 30,000 followers on Facebook. We have a private Facebook page for people who enroll, uh, who have enrolled in the course. Uh, we do webinars regularly. We're about to have one, um, another one where we just have them continually. We host something called learning circles, which I'm very excited about. Um, this is an opportunity for people, whether or not they're enrolled in the course, uh, to um, ask our experts questions. Just have direct access. You know, if you have questions about any of the areas I just covered, <clears throat> you can get on and ask our expert your question. So it, I like providing that access to people who, you know, are credentialed and really know what they're doing. So we try to do a lot of outreach to people, whether or not they want to enroll in the course. And I have to say that, you know, it's easy. The course is free. I should point that out. You don't have to pay anything. We encourage donations to help cover our costs. Wow. But the course is free and um, you can take it at your own pace. You can take one module, you can take all of them. It's very friendly. So that, that is amazing. I mean, what an amazing gift and resource that you are putting out there into the world. I just like want to share with everybody. It's, well, it's truly you. commendable. Thank you. I feel obviously very um, committed to it and passionate about it because I know it really, it, it made a huge difference in my life. And I know so many people who are looking for this information. And I have to say that, you know, most cancer centers have what they call an integrative medicine component. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and I commend them for doing that, but it's not comprehensive. In other words, oh yeah, you can sign up for a cooking class here or a Reiki class there, a Qigong class or, you know, a fitness I mean, you can certainly, they usually make these things available to cancer patients, but that's a whole different approach than what we're doing, which is what we're basically saying is let's look at your whole life because these are the key areas of your life that are decisions you make every day about what to eat, about how much to exercise, about what products to buy, about how to manage your stress. You know, these things are all really, really critical in creating what we call an anti-cancer lifestyle. And I should say that no one's perfect at it. I certainly am not. And I've been at this for a long time. I, you know, I lag in the fitness area. I have to force myself. I'll get into fitness regimens. And then suddenly I, a week will go by and I realize I haven't done anything. So, you know, it's a continuous effort, but it's basically getting familiar with the information so that you know how to direct your effort in mm -hmm. ways that pay the greatest dividends. So what and did you personally see when you were going through it? So you read this book and then obviously <laughs> you turned the book into this free program and this amazing resource. But could you share a little bit about some of the things that you did with respect to these pillars that are part of the program that you started incorporating into your life or maybe removing toxins in your home and in your personal care products is just an example and the benefits that you've seen like from yourself personally and then even just others as well and maybe we can we can all i want to dive into each of these areas a bit more as well well i have to say that i um some of the areas i was 
I started out being more advanced in, if you will, and others not at all. Um, but um, I may I have made and continue to make changes in all of them. I mean, like I say, it's it's really an evolving process. And some things I noticed from our class, from teaching it in person, because we had many, many hundreds of people through it in person before we had to stop. We started offering it in 2011 at the hospital in, in Concord, New Hampshire, where it was created uh, and stopped only because of COVID. So we've had, you know, we had about nine years, eight years uh, run uh, with the program. So we had a lot of people through it. And what, one interesting thing I noticed is that different parts of the course became important to them at different times. So I think you have to allow for that too, that you might, you might already kind of be thinking about, gee, my diet's really not good. And you might, you know, key into that piece and later a different piece. And I'd say for me, my immediate changes were, I mean, my diet was already pretty good. Um, because I'd been aware of that. We're, we're in the organic foods business. And so I was aware of that. But I have to say, I did start really uh, increasing my, um, trying to really increase my purchase of organic foods, just to decrease kind of the toxic load that you get from pesticides and stuff. Um, and so that was an effort. I was already eating a lot, but I, I wasn't as careful as I am now with uh, buying organic. Um, and we have, by the way, in the, in the diet module, ways that you can, you know, that we, we educate people about ways they can try to buy organic on a budget. That's Obviously, that's really the one reason. Lack of access and price are the two reasons that people don't buy organic. I mean, nobody's out there saying like, hey, yeah, I want the food with more pesticides in it, you know? <laughs> right. So, um, so we really try to help people with that because it's really, it's obviously a big issue for people. Um, one of those ways actually is to reduce meat consumption because meat is usually the number one most expensive item on people's grocery lists. And we do promote a plant-based diet in the program. I mean, it does not be exclusively plant-based. I want to emphasize that this is not all or nothing. Um, these are, you know, making the adjustments that you can that feel right for you and your family. But we just try to give people the information that they need. And there's great evidence about benefits of a plant-based diet. So if you are reducing your meat consumption, you sort of de facto have a little more money to spend on higher quality produce. So that's one thing. Um, Fitness is a constant struggle for me. I didn't grow up <laughs> exercising very much. I'm my husband's a complete jock, and I am the opposite. Um, so that's a continuous struggle. But I really do make an effort to either take a walk. I I have walking buddies. I mean, that really helps you get out. You know, you can mm -hmm. help sort of prod each other, especially when the weather's not great. You know, it's yeah. just come on, let's get out. You know. And Absolutely. then you find your, and it, it's fun to walk and talk and you just try to pick it up a little bit so that you're not just going at a slothful pace, but you know, getting a little aerobic exercise. I love to garden. Um, these kind of daily activities of life, clean, house cleaning, gardening, these things count, you know, cause you're up and you're moving. Um, so that's important as well. Um, the the uh, stress management piece I've become way more aware of. I do try to incorporate some very basic stress management. Um, sometimes I do try to do meditation, quiet moments, deep diaphragmatic breathing. We talk a lot about this. I mean, these, these actually have 
phys physiological effects mm -hmm. on your body, slowing yeah. down and taking, you know, a few very slow, deep breaths will actually can lower your stress hormone levels in your body. So, um, you know, these things are, are really real. And in terms of anti-cancer environment, uh, again, I was pretty good at that, but I am way better at it now. <laughs> I am very careful. I'm, I'm on the board of the Environmental Working Group, which is um, a oh, nonprofit yeah. that um, has fantastic databases, ewg.org, uh, for um, buying personal care products. You can vet them. There are science, many scientists work for EWG and do the vetting um, of personal care products, of um, home care products. There's a whole healthy cleaners database also so is tremendously useful when you're trying to figure out gee i don't i don't want to have to have a phd to go shopping how am i supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to know right <clears throat> what totally. to buy and what not to buy what chemicals are bad like i don't want to have to know this stuff so you can you know check things out and and that's not the only place there's some other databases the household products database is fantastic also we have links to all of these in on the website so I, overall, I have to say, learning these things and doing them um, has made me feel better physically. Um, I have felt empowered to take some control over my health in a directed way. Uh, and so that, you know, that has tremendous psychological benefit as well. So you're not sitting around feeling victimized, uh, especially if you are a cancer survivor. And I do want to emphasize, though, that a lot of people who take our course do it for prevention. Yes. Because if you look at, say, what Dr. Dean Ornish would recommend for cardiac care, for mm -hmm. uh, cardiovascular health, and overlap it with what we teach, it's probably about 100%. He doesn't talk too much about environment, but he certainly does about the other things that we talk about. And um, so I think that, you know, if you just want to, stay well uh, and live your best life. Uh, these are things that you, that you should be doing. And, well, the, it's and, funny and they're not hard. They're not hard to do. I want to say that. It's not like, oh God, here I go. I have to do this again. I mean, it actually feels good. Yes. And you know, it's funny, everything you said, I mean, it's so much of what Marnie and I, kind of how we like to live anyway, as a preventative and what we and want to inspire other people to do regardless of whether they have cancer or not. Um, so I think so many of your tips are, will resonate and be helpful for, for everyone. Wonderful. Um, not just those that are focused on even cancer prevention or um, ho hopefully not, not getting it again. So I, I love all of what you're doing. And now we want to take a quick break from today's conversation to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Lakewinds Co-op which is a favorite grocery store of ours to shop at in the Twin Cities. We love that Lakewinds has such high standards and vets every single product on their shelves, including their amazing personal care and supplement section so that we don't have to. As busy parents, we don't always have the time or the desire to read every ingredient label. And we, when we shop at Lakewinds, we have confidence that it's been done for us. Grocery shopping should be an enjoyable and calm experience, and Lakewinds does everything to make your experience stress-free from the moment you walk in the door. The decor and aesthetics are really calming and inviting, and we have never met such knowledgeable and friendly staff in all the departments, including meat and seafood, 
in the wellness department and produce. We love Lakewind's produce section, which focuses on organic and fair trade products. About 95% of the produce is organic and local as much as possible. And they really support the local and small sustainable farmers right here in Minnesota and Wisconsin. The meat buyers actually visit the farms. They talk to the ranchers and see their practices to ensure that the animals are ethically raised and treated, which is really important to us. All of their meat is free from additives, synthetic preservatives, nitrates, antibiotic residues, steroids, and added growth hormones. Unlike many traditional grocery stores, Lakewinds has a banned ingredient list that is used to vet the products on their shelf, which includes artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, hydronated oil, etc. This applies to the food on their shelves as well as the supplements and beauty and personal care products in their wellness department. If an item doesn't meet the product standards, Lakewinds doesn't allow it on their store. And we love that peace of mind. We also love how they seek out local small batch makers who meet their standards and really try to support our local businesses. We all know that maintaining a healthy body and mind has huge implications on our immune systems and being able to fight off the flu. So support your health and wellness in the new year by shopping at your local co-op. You can find the fabulous Lakewinds co-ops in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield, or have groceries delivered from Instacart. While Lakewinds Co-op is a member-owned store, you don't have to be a member to shop and receive their weekly specials. Although we highly recommend that you do become members like us for additional monthly savings and an annual dividend. You can find out more by going to lakewinds.coop. And when you're there, be sure to check out their delicious recipes. And if you don't live in the Twin Cities, we highly encourage you to find your local co-op by heading over to National Co-op Grocers and finding one near you. Before we change gears, I have one more question regarding the lifestyle program, the anti-cancer lifestyle program. I'm wondering, do you, you mentioned that a lot of people take the course for prevention. Do you see a lot of like spouses going through the program to support the, let's say there's a person that's going through active, you know, cancer treatments or just finished their cancer program. Do you recommend that their significant other or family members kind of hop on board too so that they can be supportive to whatever the person that's kind of learning the program is trying to make those changes? Because some of these changes, I mean, yes, they, they can be thought of as simple, but they are hard to make for a lot of people. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up, Marnie, because it's really an important piece of all this is family and community support around lifestyle changes because you would assume, well, of course they'll support you, right? I mean, if, this, if you think this is good for you, well, not so. I mean, and again, you know, they, they may love you and have you know, the best intentions for you, but a lot of changes, and we do talk about this a lot in what we call our introductory intro slash change module, because it comes up over and over and over again in the in-person course where um, family members, you know, it's enough for them that, they're that suddenly their loved one has cancer and now suddenly she's coming home saying, oh, and by the way, instead of having, you know, we're not going to McDonald's anymore and instead of having meat four times a week, we're having it once maybe, you know, or something yeah. like that. Or um, I don't want to buy the Tide anymore because it's got chemicals in it and it's got fragrance and I want to buy, you know, something that's unscented and eco-friendly and, you know, and 
you know, and we, I mean, this literally came up in a class where the husband said, Hey, I like the tide. Like it makes my clothes smell clean. And I, I, I want to, you know, why, why, why'd you throw that out? You know? And so not to pick on tide, but you know what I mean? It's just yeah. a lot of changes. Um, they do reverberate. We also had somebody once in class say uh, she had a drinking buddy. They'd go out every Friday night and get drunk. And, um, and it was kind of how they related. They were really good friends. And she learned in our program that you know, alcohol is a group one carcinogen, meaning it is known to cause cancer in humans. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news, um, but it is true. It's incontrovertible. And she told her friend, you know, we're not doing that anymore. And her friend said, you know, well, then goodbye. I mean, you know, so, I mean, it was, it was a little bit shocking and disorienting, but these are the kinds of things that can happen when you make changes in, in your life because they do affect other people. Mm-hmm. And so we do talk a lot about that. I won't sort of give the secret away, but we do talk a lot about that in the, in the change module. And as far as bringing family and friends on board, absolutely. And we do see that. Um, we do see that uh, some of them take it because they want to help support their loved one. And there was even a, a woman who wrote us from Alaska and she, um, she had breast cancer and was treated for it. And she wanted to take the course and she enrolled her husband and her parents. And all four of them would meet, she and her husband and, their, and then her parents would meet by Zoom once a week to talk about what was in the course. And she said her parents had made changes in their lives based on what they learned. So it was a really nice way for them all to bond. Oh, that's great. And I think doing that, you know, sometimes when one person wants to make the change, the others don't understand where they're coming from or they want more facts. And so the course then can provide them all that detail that they exactly. may want. It's not one person just making stuff up or reading one story, you know, or one study and wanting to make a bunch of changes to everyone else. Right. Exactly. And I, I do want to point out, we don't overwhelm people with data in the, in the course at all. Because <laughs> we know most people, like, they're not so interested. But for the major recommendations that we make, we do um, reference studies. So just so that people can understand that it really is grounded in what, in the best information that science has available. And so we do, you know, there's so many little bullets that'll shoot in saying, you know, Smith, you know, 2010 or something, or we'll actually verbally talk about it uh, in just a little bit, just to make sure people understand that this is real. This is reality based. <laughs> so, exactly. Um, so, shifting gears just a little bit, how do you teach others to stop thinking um, of chronic illness as sort of either a winning battle or a losing battle, but really it's just another component of our body's complex ecosystem and really changing the way we think and help with respect to cancer um, and helping us overcome it? Well, you know, it's interesting. You think, well, I mean, you think about as soon as you get cancer um, or when people talk about you having cancer, whatever, they'll say, well, she's fighting cancer or someone dies and they'll say she fought cancer for 15 years. And we talk about the war on cancer. And so it's something you kind of pick up on after a while, if you've been a cancer survivor, it's like, hey, you know, it's all this war metaphor and battle metaphor. And it never sat right with me. And I thought on the one hand, who cares what metaphors we're using, right? But on the other hand, it actually, language is important, I figured out. 
um, over time that it's, I, I really, and, and you won't see the idea or the words war or battle or anything like that in our anti-cancer lifestyle program, because I prefer to see it as a management, you know, that I, because, and it does, this does have implications because wars and battles are things you win or lose. Mm -hmm. And increasingly with cancer, it is not a death sentence. It, you know, it is obviously sometimes um, too often a death sentence, but for a lot of people more and more, it's becoming an issue of management, a management of chronic illness. And so I think thinking in this terms of this term of war, it just doesn't really fit. Plus, you know, when you think about it, what am I at war with, right? I mean, like, it, this is my body. These are my cells. Like, am I fighting myself? I mean, it, it, there's some way that it just doesn't quite compute, actually. So what the way I like to think of cancer that feels more helpful and productive is as a very unfortunate uh, member of my total ecosystem. And so when you think about your body, you know, you have more, any of us, any day have more bacterial DNA than we do our own. You know, we have trillions of bacteria on our skin and in our gut, and thank God we do because we wouldn't survive without them in, in many cases. Some are toxic, but most are beneficial. Um, so cancer is part of that ecosystem. And our job as people with cancer is to manage our ecosystem I'm a big gardener, so I think of it as like gardening. And we talk a lot about gardening, actually, in the course, that we want to weed out the things that are bad for us and try to water and fertilize and the things that we want to grow. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate idea with that is try, trying to create a terrain, an internal terrain that suppresses the development and growth of cancer, that makes the body inhospitable to the growth of cancer. And, and this is actually literally possible. Not that you will win or succeed or wipe it out, but we, it, again, it has been shown, the data show that these lifestyle changes, which do all those things I'm talking about, they help weed out the toxins and the things that are, that are detrimental to our health, and they help support the immune system, they help, um, lower inflammation because cancer fundamentally is an inflammatory disease and therefore create a healthier ecosystem. Now, this is something that we can do. I mean, I, I count on my doctor, my oncologist to be the one to wage war. Like that's something he is well equipped to do. Mm -hmm. he, he has all the, you know, he has all the armaments at his disposal. And believe me, I want him to use it. This is not an either or situation. I want you know, together, my oncologist and I decide the best, whether it's a chemo or radiation or, you know, whatever he's got at his disposal, but that's his job. That's mm -hmm. not my job. My job is different. And that's what we talk about in the course. Well, and I love the analogy to gardening and weeding yes. out the bad. And I, I just love that. I've, I've heard other people make that reference in, yes. I don't know if you want to call it the cancer community. Um, and I, I think it's really relatable to a lot of people when it's put that simply. <laughs> yeah. And it's just a different way of thinking mm -hmm. because it, it sort of separates 
what you should be doing from what your oncologist is doing or your provider right. is doing. You know, you have a role here too. And yes. it's not to wage war. Yes. And then you have that more peaceful mindset. Right. Right. Because you have to exactly. live with yourself every day. You know, you're only going right. to the doctor every so often. And so what exactly. can you do to create a good, you know, a good environment and reduce the stress, which is obviously going to, going to help right. the cancer at bay. Um, so what would you suggest um, other people can do for a loved one that's struggling with a cancer diagnosis or struggling through their cancer treatment? Any, any suggestions or recommendations? Well, first, register for our course. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not just saying that. I just, I think, you know, so many people, thousands have derived benefit uh, from the course. Uh, and again, it's free. So the barrier to entry does not exist. <laughs> so that, that would be, you know, a really great thing to do. There are a couple of books, you know, there's the books, the book that I mentioned, Dr. David Servan Schreiber's Anti-Cancer and New Way of Life. Um, that came out, I think the last version was 2010, but it, so even though the data in it is a little outmoded, um, everything that David points out in the book and recommends still holds. So that's an important book. Um, also a, a book that kind of built on that and brought it to the next level is Dr. Lorenzo Cohen's um, Anti-Cancer Living is mm -hmm. another great book. So for people who like to read, uh, and take their information in like that. Um, those are really great books, a lot of practical advice uh, and taking our, our course. And as far as, you know, if you're, um, if you are counseling a loved one, another thing I would say right at the top of the list is please don't go on the internet. <laughs> look for information about your cancer. Please no doctor do Googles that. here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Please exactly. don't do that. I mean, even though we're all so tempted to, I made this mistake in the beginning. And I swear, if you have a sniffle and you go online and look at sniffles, you'll think you're going to be dead the next day. <laughs> Never mind if you have cancer, right? It is just a gloom and doom territory out there. Mm -hmm. And no one can say what your particular experience is going to be and your particular trajectory. So find a physician you trust and let them, I'm not saying shut out the whole world. You know, you can get a second opinion, a third opinion, but let them filter the information for you because they'll know your hormone status. They'll know your family history. They'll, you know, they'll be able to help paint a context for you to understand your situation better. But I guarantee if you go online, I mean, we've all had this experience. It's just like, oh my God, um, th that's it. I'm, I'm, do I'm done for, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so that, that's only bad. That's only bad. If you're going to go online, just go on to look for nice yoga videos and things like that. <laughs> um, I love that advice. Yeah. Um, and I know you shared a little bit um, of some of the people that have been through your program, but do you have a story might be about someone who took the anti-cancer lifestyle course? and specifically how it helps them? You know, I don't know why I'd love this story, but I do. Um, well, first, a lot of people just report generally just feeling more positive and their doctors say, we don't know what, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Doing a man that. just said that to me the other day, a guy downtown um, who runs a shop and who took our course many years ago. And he said, that's his stage four um, 
uh, prostate cancer. And his, and his doc keeps saying that whatever you're doing, keep doing it, you know, and he's got, he makes his smoothies every day and he's just got, you know, so he's kind of, um, so we do get anecdotal stories like that. One of my favorites though, is this woman named Betty who took, she was one of the original people who took our course. She's probably, she was probably in her early seventies and boy, did she hate the mindset module. She thought we were trying to foist all this voodoo on her and just, why are you making me sit through this? And I don't like this stuff. I mean, she would, she complained about it in class. You know, she's one of, was one of those people like bring the whole class down. It's like, will you please be quiet? Um, But no, but she, she really didn't like it. And, uh, you know, so we would talk, talk to her about it and so forth. And, and then about a year later, she emailed us and she said, you know, I just have to tell you what happened. I was driving to work. I had a fender bender. I was so upset because first of all, it's like, oh my God, you know, I wasn't hurt, but, and the other person wasn't hurt, but it was like, I got to pay to fix the car. I'm going to be late for work. I've got a presentation. She was so agitated and anxious. And she said that somehow, um, Margaret, who was our mindset teacher, Margaret's words like came into my head about just stopping for a moment and taking some deep breaths. And she said, I just stopped in the middle of this chaos at this intersection with all the stuff going on. And I took like four deep breaths and I calmed right down. So by the time the cop got there, I could tell him what happened. I had, I was collected. I wasn't hysterical. And I just loved that story because um, it showed that she was, she was so not ready for some of it at first. And you just never know when you're going to be receptive to things. And I think what's important is to have the information available to you when you are in a place that you can assimilate it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah. Because I think that's common with any kind of education or any kind of change yes. you're trying to make. You're taking all this information in and I, sometimes it is overwhelming, but at some point it's going right. to register. Exactly. Exactly. So that's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Yeah, I love that. I love and that. And I love that it had nothing to do with like her cancer necessarily. Right. A year later, getting into a fender bender. So yeah, and and in particular that she whined and moaned about that. It's not. <laughs> it's not just that she wrote us later saying, "Oh, you know," but at the time she was just rejecting it. And, uh, and there you go. You just never and, know. And sometimes those are the best stories because right. those are the people that those kinds of changes make the biggest impact on. Exactly. And you know, something that you said, Margaret, you were talking about like doctors telling their patients, oh, just keep doing what you're doing. Just curious what feedback you've had from doctors or oncologists who know about your program, who some of their patients are doing your program, like what sort of feedback or response have you received? Well, that's a great question Um, because we were hell bent to make sure that our, of the total integrity Uh, scientific integrity of what we were recommending so that, and I was ready, you know, it's like, just try me, you know, just challenge anything we're saying. I have eight studies to show you from the, you know, Journal of Clinical Nutrition or the Journal of Clinical Oncology. It's just like, you know, you you can't, if, if we're not relying on the best data available, what would you want us to rely on, you know? But honestly, interestingly, the challenges never came. Never. I mean, it was so, we've had so many oncologists and other providers. And if you go on our website, we have a whole testimonial page that includes um, 
providers and business people, um, others who have offered, but a lot of providers, a lot of docs um, who have really come to trust us. We had to earn it, you know, because mm -hmm. they were, there was a little suspicion at first. Um, what are they talking about supplements and, you know, all this kind of funky stuff. And no, we don't even talk about supplements. Not that people shouldn't take supplements as a decision they have to make on their own, but supplements, there's no good data about supplements and supplements are not regulated. So if you buy a supplement like say ginkgo, I'm just picking one out of you know, my hat, um, ginkgo biloba, it might have 10% of what's on the label or 110%. No one is testing. So because they're not regulated and there's no good data around it, we don't touch it. We don't make any recommendations about supplements. So they came to see that we were very careful and trust us. And we have, we have really developed a great relationship over time with providers because what I basically say to them when the ones I talk to in person is, you know, a lot of their patients they know are interested in lifestyle, but they don't, the provider doesn't have the time or the training to talk about it. And so what we say to them is, look, these patients of yours, they're going to go home and go on the internet. And for all you know, it drives them batty, but they're going to be ordering some, you know, peach pit from uh, Mexico because they think it's going to help their cancer. And when you don't tell them, when you don't give them information, you're creating an information vacuum and they're going to fill that vacuum. Mm -hmm. And the question for you as a provider is what do you want them to fill it with? Do you want them to, you know, ask their aunt Sally what she did? you know, to keep her cancer from coming back? Or do you want them to find the best data available that we have, that we know can help, you know, over, that is say over a population. Again, we don't know about individuals. And so I think they've come to see us as not in opposition to anything that they're doing. We don't even talk about the medical piece because that's not our area of expertise, but rather as, as like the third leg of the stool so that we're in support of the medical community. We don't challenge anything that they are suggesting or saying in any way. And I think once, now we've had a decade to sort of do that, you know, and work on that in our local community. They absolutely love us. And more providers um, who run into our information online really love our program. And I, I, if I could just add one thing, um, now during COVID and for the foreseeable future, they will not be able to gather at-risk communities in the hospital for support and education for a long time to come, probably mm -hmm. until there's a uh, really good vaccine that is well distributed because these, are, these people are starting out at risk, right? right. So um, they're certainly not going to bring them together. So they're all sort of looking for uh, online ways to continue that sense of support and education. And several major uh, cancer centers have reached out to us just in the last month wow. about our program because they're looking for, for quality ways to help, you know, keep that education going. I love, I love that you're, like you said, it's a partnership. You're not trying to alienate anyone. You're trying to join forces because each of you has something to contribute. Absolutely. We want to be, you know, we want to be a source of relief for them. Because when their patients ask that question, doc, what can I do? And so many patients do. Now they have something to say. You know, they just 
check out this course. It might interest you. Yes. See, well, that should just make you so happy. Um, so um, I was just going to say, as we kind of wrap up, how can our, how can our listeners find you or find the program, the anti-cancer lifestyle program? Easy. Um, we are at anticancerlifestyle.org. Anticancer lifestyle is one word, dot org. And um, it's all there. We have our, you can register for the course there. Again, it's free. Um, you can um, look at all that. We have something called a toolkit there, which has apps, videos, books. I mean, so many resources. All of our webinars are there, again, for free viewing, the webinars that we've held thus far. Um, we have uh, an events page where you can find web upcoming webinars and upcoming learning circles. Um, so it's all pretty much there. And there's contact information if they have questions. Um, but anticancerlifestyle.org. So amazing. I'm, I'm just blown away by how much you've accomplished in building this organization. Well, thank you. And, I've had a lot of help too. And the fact that it's free is phenomenal because I think you're really giving access to anybody that has Wi-Fi. Exactly. <laughs> right? And can understand English because so far we haven't been Able translated into other languages. Uh, that's something I'd love to do someday, but so far we haven't been able to do that. Yeah. But well, you're I, absolutely right. Anybody. Yep. I mean, I already know of people that I want to share this with, so <laughs> for, for better or worse, right? Um, and are you guys on Instagram? Is Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. My social media person would flog me if I didn't mention that. <laughs> we are on, we have a very active uh, Facebook following. We also have a private Facebook page, as I think I mentioned earlier, for just for, for people who are enrolled, uh, registered for the course. We are on Instagram, we are on Twitter, and we are on LinkedIn. Okay, so all, so any way you want to access us, and it's under some variation of anti-cancer lifestyle and all. We're pretty easy to find, so. And we'll link it all up in the show notes, so people will have exact access, and they can click the link to follow so you. Wonderful. Well, we've really enjoyed this conversation, Margaret. And one last question that we like to ask all of our guests is, what does the art of living well mean to you? Ah, yes. By the way, I go by Meg, just so that you oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, it's an, a really interesting question. I, I think at this point, having dealt with you know, my own particular cross to bear, which has been cancer, um, uh, I, I like the, I really like the Japanese idea of wabi-sabi, which I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll butcher the explanation of it, but my understanding of it is kind of living with imperfection and learning to celebrate imperfection, that it's not always going to be your vision of what's perfect, but learning to work well with what you have and the blessings that you do have. And, you know, it's not always easy. Um, Certainly for, you know, a lot of us right now too are really struggling economy, COVID. I mean, there's, you know, fires out West. I mean, the, you know, it's just, it feels like it's raining down. Um, but just trying to remember that, you know, there is always so much to be grateful for. And I, I try to think of that every day. It really helps me that, yeah, things aren't perfect. Um, but, you know, I'm lucky. 
I'm lucky. I'm, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm feeling pretty well. I've got people in my life who I love. And I'm just going to live with the imperfections and try to celebrate around them. Oh, that was beautiful. I love that I love so that. much. <laughs> like, I've actually never heard of that wabi-sabi. Wabi-sabi, yeah. I'm looking that up. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I mean, I have perfectionist tendencies, and I think my, some of my kids do as well. And so I really, I've been trying so hard to, like, move more towards imperfection because I just think overall you're happier that way. And a person is can be happier that way. And so I just love when you said celebrating imperfection. I think that quote, I think I have to take those words and put it as a quote for my family to see. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, so, it does help reduce stress, I have to say. <laughs> so much of our stress is self-imposed. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Agree. <laughs> Thank oh. you so much for being a guest on our show. It's been a joy to have you. Thanks to you both. I really appreciate you having me. Yes. Well, thank you. And have a wonderful day, Meg. Thanks. You too. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well.